um, it's really cool to have you here and uh, to be a part of this. And um, I know Carl shared here last week that, that as Life Church, we've sort of started, not sort of, we have, we've started a new era. We've started a new era where Life Church is now one local church in two locations. And uh, today, actually, I'm a family in two locations because my wife is worship leading at Levita and I'm here. Actually, I'm in three locations because we put my son on a plane this morning to Wellington. So uh, we're expecting him back. That'll be good. But we are now one local church, one small part uh, of, of the global church, which is millions upon millions of Jesus followers who are gathering across the globe today to worship him and to praise him. And we are here as one local church, but we're in two places at the same time. We're Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita. And I guess I started wondering, and other people might have been wondering, well, what does that mean? Like, how can you be one church in two places? Are we omnipresent now? Like, is that, have we sort of gained that power? Um, what, is, what does it mean that makes Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita the same? Is it the building? Is it what the building looks like? Is it the seating? Well, no, the, the buildings and the seats are quite different in these two places. So is it, is it the songs that we sang this morning? Are we singing the same songs at Selwyn as we are at Levita? Well, no, most of the songs that we've just sung this morning, uh, they're singing different songs at Levita this morning. So it's not the songs. Is it the preacher? Well, no, because I'm here this morning, uh, and at Levita they've got Carl speaking this morning. Are we preaching the same sermon? Is, is Carl there sharing exactly the same thing that I'm sharing now? No. No, he's not. So we're not delivering the same message or sermon in the place. So is it the lighting or is it the order that we're doing things in? Or is it the tea and coffee? Or is it the biscuits? That must be it. I think it's the biscuits. The biscuits are the same. So that's what defines the fact that Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita are the same because we serve the same biscuits. No, I don't think so. It's not any of those things that define Life Church Selwyn or Life Church. Levita. It's not the building, it's not the lights, it's not the sound, it's not the tea or coffee, it's not the preacher, it's not the songs, it's not even the biscuits. In fact, it's not the what, the how, the who, the where, or the when that defines us. It's the why. What defines Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita, what defines us and holds us together as one church is the fact that we have a common goal. We have a shared vision. We're on the same mission. And we're trying to achieve the same thing. Because we're on a mission to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave at the end of Matthew 28. It says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. That's the mission that we're on. And at Life Church, we've kind of taken that mission and we've broken it down into three key elements that we think help us fulfill that mission. And those three things will appear behind me, but they already are in front of you over on that side over there. Those three things are knowing God, loving people, and changing lives. We believe that the key steps to making disciples, to fulfilling that great commission that Jesus gave us, is to first of all be a disciple through knowing God and then to walk out our discipleship by loving others the way that God loves us so that lives would be changed 
as they in turn become disciples and followers of Jesus. That's what makes Life Church Life Church. That's what makes Life Church Selwyn and Life Church Levita the same, no matter how different we might be, or how different things might look or sound on a Sunday, or how different the people might be, or how much the same they might look or have the same people or the same songs. Our shared vision is what makes us the same, what makes us one local church in two locations. And over the next few weeks, we're actually going to be discussing this mission that we're on, and we're going to be talking about, again, these three primary elements that are the vision of Life Church, which are knowing God, loving people, and changing lives. So I want to turn to a passage uh, in Colossians. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it as well, but it will appear behind me here. It's Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. It says this, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've heard this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This passage, about seven or eight verses there, speaks of the kind of church that we are longing to be. Because the church in this passage is one that knows God. Listen to some of the phrases that are used about them. It says, your faith in Christ Jesus. It says, you heard the truth of the good news. You heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news. And we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it finishes by saying you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. The whole passage is about a church that knows God and is longing to know him more. But this church described here in Colossians is also one that loves people. It talks about their love for all of God's people. And it talks about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. But the church in this passage is also one that's about changing lives. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed yours. And the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody write all of that about Life Church? Like, what if, I don't know, Brian Houston or, or T.D. Jakes or Beth Moore or, you know, somebody, some, some, a uh, uh, pastor from overseas comes and says, Life Church, I, I want to I write to you and I want to thank God for the faith that you have in Him. And I want to thank God for the love that you have for others. And the letter tells us that we'll grow as we learn to know God better and better and that lives are changing all over the world as the gospel is going out from the church and, and, and that we continue to grow as we know Him and love others and change lives. Wouldn't that be awesome to receive a letter about us like that? 
But that's the heart of our church. The heart of this church is that the longer you are a part of Life Church, the better you will know God and the deeper relationship you'll have with Him. The longer you're a part of Life Church, the more love you have for others. And the longer you're a part of Life Church, the more your life is changed and more lives around you are changed through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. That's the vision. That's the why that unites Life Church Selwyn with Life Church Levita. And so today I get to look at the first one of those three. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about knowing God. Because knowing about someone and knowing someone are not the same thing, right? We, we all kind of understand that, yeah? I mean, take somebody like uh, LeBron James, all right? Great basketball player. I, I know about him. I know what he, what he does on the basketball court. I know some of his accomplishments. I know how many championships he's won. And I know of somebody like Tom Cruise, right? I've seen some of his movies. I would, I would recognize him if I saw him on the street, you know? Um, <laughs> And, and let's be honest, they probably know about me too, right? Like they've probably, they've probably listened to me preach or, or heard some of my music or something like that. So we know about each other and we know of each other, but we don't actually know each other. You know, LeBron doesn't call me on the weekends and ask me to play ball. Um, Tom, Tom Cruise doesn't comment on my Facebook posts or get invited to my kids' birthday parties, right? We know of each other, but we don't know each other. And... James 2, uh, verse 19 says this, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. God isn't looking for a relationship where we know of Him. And He isn't looking for a relationship where we know about Him. Although that's a good place to start because it's pretty hard to get to know someone if you don't know anything about them. But God wants us to know Him, to have relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's God's ultimate desire and plan to have relationship with us. That's the story of the whole Bible. The Bible begins in the book of Genesis in a garden. And it begins with God walking with Adam and Eve. You, know, you don't just go for strolls in a garden with people you know of. Or even people that you know a little bit about or a mild acquaintance. You don't meet somebody and say, hey, I'm Dave, would you like to go for a walk in a garden with me? You know, this is a, this is a really personal relationship that is being described for us in, in the very beginning of the Bible. And then the Bible ends. The whole story of the Bible ends with God dwelling with us and alongside us in heaven. Relation uh, Revelation 21 says, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It is God's desire to know us and to have relationship with us. But he also desires that we would know him. This great passage in Jeremiah 9. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's knowing God. It should be the primary purpose and primary pursuit of our lives, knowing Him. It's His greatest desire for us. So how do we get to know God? How do we deepen our knowledge 
and understanding of him. Well, this morning I want to share five thoughts that lead us towards that. We get to know God better through the word from him, our identity in him, through community with him and others, through prayer to him, and worship of him. Five things. The word from him. When you first meet someone, have you noticed that one of the most common starting points in conversation is, what do you do? Like, what's, your, what's your job? What, what do you do for a living? And if the conversation goes well enough, that, that might progress on to interests. What do you like doing? So not, not what are you paid to do? What would you do if you didn't have to go to work? And maybe, just maybe, although it's more likely to take maybe a second meeting to get to this point, but you start to talk about opinions. What do you think about an issue? Or how do you feel about something that's going on? What somebody says about themselves is generally the first way we get to know them. And through everything that they say about themselves, you start to get a a partial picture of what they're like and who they truly are. And it's really the same as we learn about God. What does he say about himself? What's his job? Well, he's, he's the creator and he's the author of life. But what are his interests? Well, we find out he's kind of fascinated with people. And as we read the Bible more and more, we start to learn more about who he is and what he says about himself and what he thinks about things and how he feels about certain issues. And the more we read of his word, the more we read of the Bible, the more of who he is is revealed to us. Knowing God begins with knowing what he's already said to us about himself in his word and then allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us afresh today. And as we read the Bible, we find so many different aspects of who God is and different facets of his character are revealed to us. At the very beginning, we discover God the creator. Then as we read on, we find God the holy one. And we read about I am that I am. And then we find out about Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. We discover that his grace is sufficient for us. We learn that his mercies are new every morning. We read that he has known us before we were born. We find out that he cares for us, that the very hairs on our heads are numbered. We learn of God our Savior, but we also learn of God our King. We find that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We learn that he's chosen us, that he'll never forsake us, that he has plans and purposes for us, that he loved us so much that he gave his son for us. And we can find all of that out about God just by reading his word and reading what he's already said about himself. And it is one of the most vital keys to knowing God better and better. But another step in our journey to knowing God is understanding our identity in him, our identity in him. Because we need to understand that first and foremost, we were designed to have relationship with us. And that's the story of Genesis 1 and 2. That gives us this understanding of why we were made in the first place, to have relationship with him. And then the next thing we need to understand that through Jesus Christ, we are, as we have already sung this morning, children of God. 1 John 3 verse 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God! Exclamation mark. And that is what we are! Exclamation mark. He's making a strong point here. We are children of God. And knowing that we are sons and daughters of God changes everything about the way we can approach our relationship with Him. He's not a distant stranger. 
He's not a nameless power. He's our Father. You know, my kids know that they belong to me. They know that I'm their dad, and their relationship with me is different to what it is to other people. And sure, mostly that just means that they complain to me first, but it, it really means that they know they can be safe to be themselves, that they can rely on me, that they can speak openly about how they are truly feeling about things, or at least that's my desire that they would have that relationship with me, that they would be uh, able and willing to do that with me as their father. And as children of God, as children of the good father, not just servants of God, we're able to approach him in exactly the same way. That is our identity in him. We are his sons and daughters. Third thing, community with him and with others. We know God by more, by living out our faith, using our gifts and abilities, and walking out our purpose and calling in community with him and with others. Because when we're in community with other believers, we're able to learn more, grow faster, and grow deeper in God. Why do I say that? Well, because when we're in community with other believers, they can share their experience with us so we can gain understanding faster. When we're in community with other believers, they can help redirect us if we start to go off track. When we're in community with other believers, we can see God at work in their lives and so his nature, see his nature and character revealed in them. When we're in community with other believers, they help spur us on towards the goal, towards the mission, towards realizing the vision. It is amazing how much more you can achieve when you have other people pushing you on and not just trying to do it by yourself. And God designed us that way, to operate in community with other people. Um, a number of years ago, I don't know how many, but it was a number of years ago, I booked a series of appointments with a personal trainer. And I know that you can tell just by looking at me that it was a number of years ago, but that's okay. And at the first appointment, the trainer wanted to run a whole series of strength and fitness tests uh, to kind of assess where I was at, to, to figure out like w what's the baseline that we're at, how do I best tailor a program for, for me so that over the, over the series of appointments it would be effective and I would get the most out of, of the training sessions. And uh, so that's what we did at that first week, a whole lot of arm stuff and upper body stuff and core stuff and lower leg stuff. I, I, I don't know why, but a lot of leg strength testing went on. And we did that for about an hour. Now, you should understand a little bit, though, is that I hadn't made these appointments with the personal trainer just because I'd wanted to go, because I'd been going to the gym and I wanted to, the workouts to be more effective. No, 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 this was, this was like first time. I hadn't been in a gym probably since high school. And so I, I want to say that I was starting from level one, but I think that would be overreaching. I was really starting from nothing. That's why I was going. It's like, okay, I've, I've, I've got no fitness. I've got no strength. I'm a blob. How, how do I, what, where do I go from here? And so I booked in these series of appointments with a personal trainer. And because I was there, and because I'm kind of a determined guy at times, but more importantly, because I had a personal trainer alongside me, pushing me, encouraging me, uh, guiding me, I went all out on these strength assessment, uh, strength assessment tests. Right? I went as hard as I could. I lifted as much as I could. I held it for as long as I could. I pushed as hard as I could because, you know, we're, we're finding out what I could do. So I was trying to figure out what can I do. 
And in some ways, in, in certain elements anyway, I was kind of proud of what I was doing. I thought, well, actually, that's not as bad as I thought it might have been, considering the circumstances. But that's what we were, we were going through for about an hour. And so we finished the workout, and we talked through a few things, and we set the next appointment, and then it was time for me to go. Uh, now, the, the gym I was at it was actually a private gym. This guy had just set up at the back of his house. It was a family we knew, and uh, so it was just in the, in the backyard, this gym. And to get out of there, all I had to do just was walk down the driveway and get into my car, which is fine. So I was walking down the drive, and basically right at the moment, just coincidentally, but right at the moment I was, gonna, I was crossing from the driveway onto the footpath, this most bizarre, incredible thing happened. My brain lost control of my body. My muscles no longer responded to any of the instructions that they were receiving. I'd been walking down the driveway, and it was, I was sore. I mean, it, it was already a little bit stiff, sore. I was walking, and it was fine, and then instantly it was just like I couldn't. I couldn't move my leg. It was flicking out on its own, and the other leg was collapsing in my arms. And it was like my muscles had liquefied inside my body, and I couldn't do anything about it. And so I had to stop and kind of just stand my ground for a minute and basically pre-visualize every move that I was going to make. So it was sort of like I'd have to look at this leg and go, you have to get from there to there, and we're going to do all of this together. And so it was sort of like that to take a step except that while you did that the other leg would just sort of just flick out on its own and and that's it's i am not exaggerating in the slightest this is what happened to me and it was all my limbs at once it was the arms and the legs as well it wasn't just my legs were gone just everything collapsed internally basically to get to my car i had to cross the street and i'm like i don't know if this is safe to do that but it was a very quiet street, so I you know, managed that and got over there, got to the car, unlocked the door, opened the door, and I was like, well, how do I get in? How do you get in if your knees aren't bending? Actually, that's not true. They were bending. They just weren't bending on command. So I sort of turned around a few times and held the door, and eventually I came up with a system where I managed to grab the top of the car with my hands like this and just shuffle my feet. And just lay backwards into the seat because I couldn't fold in any way under my own power. So anyway, I got in and grabbed the steering wheel and sort of pulled the rest of my limbs into the car. And then, of course, I had to sit there for about a minute massaging my leg because I realized that I can't use the brake if my calf muscle is not working. So, so I had to do that, got there, eventually felt that it was safe to drive and, and started driving. But um, the, it is quite funny because where I was driving to, uh, friends of ours, their kids were having a birthday party, so I was driving straight from the personal trainer to McDonald's, which possibly was part of my problem. Um, but anyway, I was driving, so I got to McDonald's and of course arrived in the car park and spent about five minutes getting out of the car and got in there and sat at a booth and said, sorry guys, I'm at this booth for the next hour, I can't get out. And, uh, and that, that was my little story of my first session with a personal trainer. Now, it was the thing, the whole point of all of this, it's a crazy story, it's stupid, I know, but the point of all of it is that I would never, ever have pushed myself that far if I had been in the gym on my own. 
the whole point of a person alongside me and encouraging and pushing and saying, you can do this, and maybe I couldn't, but anyway, he, he helped me to get to this point where I went way further and did way more in that context because I was not on my own. I was working alongside somebody who had more experience than me, who had more knowledge than me, who had already been through this sort of stuff before, maybe not exactly the same experience as I had, but they were able to take me much further than I was able to do myself. And admittedly, we probably went too far, and I had to wait a month before I was able to go back for my next session. Just had to keep cancelling it every week based on whether I could get out of bed properly in the morning or not. It was bad. But that is the same in our walk with God. Not that your muscles liquefy, but that we are designed to walk with God in community. We're designed to live out our discipleship and our faith in community with other people who are doing the same. Because it will help us to go further and deeper than we ever could do on our own. It will encourage us to go deeper in our knowledge of God. And other people will share their experiences with us and we can share our experiences with them. We can learn more of God's grace, more of his love, more of his holiness. We can learn more about patience. We can learn more of his power when we see him at work in the lives of those around us and hear the testimonies of those who have gone before us. Another way that we get to know God better is through prayer. Prayer to him. God invites us to dialogue with him through prayer. It's not just a one-way conversation. It's very hard to get to know someone or form a relationship with someone if all the communication is only going in one direction. But God not only speaks to us through his word and his Holy Spirit, but he asks us to come to him in prayer and he listens to those prayers. A couple of passages here, Jeremiah 29. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Prayer is the tool that God has designed and given to us for his people to communicate with him. And by his spirit, when we're in that place of prayer, he will speak to us and give us peace and impress things upon our hearts. Prayer helps us to know and understand the will of God for, li- for the will of God for our lives in the moment that we're in. And prayer is cooperating with God to see his will accomplished. And I know some of you will say, yeah, we know prayer for every... No, no, no. It is the delivery system that God has given us and designed for us to communicate with Him. And we must continue to use it as we deepen our relationship with Him. And it brings me finally to the last point uh, for today, which is our worship of Him. Because praise and worship, both when you're on your own and when you're together with others corporately worshiping, It enables us to deepen our knowledge of God in a whole number of ways. Because worship proclaims the truth of who He is and what He has done. Just this morning, we've proclaimed things like His love conquers everything, that the victor has already won, that His mercy reigns now and forever, that love will never lose its power, that there is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can wash away my sin, that we are no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. And as we sing these songs, we discover more and more of who God is and what he has done. 
But worship also declares in faith what he is going to do and our response to him. We will go from glory to glory to glory. We will be changed into his likeness. Other things we sang this morning, we speak revival. We proclaim it. We declare it. That we will see his spirit come. That we will boast in Christ and his righteousness and not in anything of our own. So worship proclaims the truth of who he is, what he's done, but it also proclaims in faith what he's going to do and it expresses our response to him. It positions us in a place that reorders our priorities, that realigns our hearts and minds with the word of God and it leads us to attitudes of thankfulness, repentance, forgiveness, surrender and a fresh sense of commissioning and dedication to him. That's what worship does. But worship does something else even slightly more, uh, uh, I was going to say intangible. It's not quite the right word. But, but rather than just proclaiming things, it actually shifts our position spiritually. Because worship in, encourages us to take a step closer into his presence. It's a deliberate choice and decision to step closer to God. The Bible tells us that as we come to near to God, he will come near to us. It tells us that God is enthroned upon or that he inhabits the praises of his people. And then there are stories like this one from Second Chronicles chapter 5. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the cloud was filled uh, sorry, the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. His people praised him. They gathered and they worshipped him. And they proclaimed that he was good. And then the priests could not perform their services because the glory of the Lord filled that place. And here's what I love about worship in, in terms of how it helps us to know God. Because it's out of our existing knowledge of God that we worship Him. If we have an understanding or a, or a revelation that God is good, then we can gather and praise and worship and say, God, you are good. I praise you that you are good. But as we worship, we're taking that step closer and nearer into His presence. And as we draw nearer to Him, and as we spend more time in His presence, we get a fresh revelation of who He is. We actually get a better glimpse or a better understanding of who he is, and suddenly we've taken this step closer, and we go, God, I, I see now that you are merciful, and I understand your grace, and I can praise you now, not just because you are good, but because you are merciful, and that you, you have grace towards me. But as I worship him in that space now, I can take another step closer and draw nearer to him, and as I get closer again, I get another glimpse, maybe this time of his splendor, or of his majesty, and as I praise him, God, you are glorious, you are worthy. You're worthy of all praise and all honor. And as I get into that space and revelation of worship, I can take a step closer and closer into his presence. And we can do that over and over again. And every time we praise him, we step a little bit closer to him and he reveals a little bit more of his splendor and his majesty. And we praise him and worship him again all the way to you are holy, 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 Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come because we will never stop learning more about God. We will never stop knowing Him better. 
we will never get to the end of who he is or the end of his greatness or run out of glory that we can worship because he is everlasting and we will learn him more and become more like him and worship him for eternity. Hey, could I have the team come up? I'm just going to finish off here with a last little thought. Romans chapter 11 says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. What a great passage. For from him are all things. He is the creator. He is the author. He is the alpha, the beginning. And everything that has come into existence has come from the heart and mind of God. But through him are all things. All things are sustained by him. All things are given life by him. He is our provider. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is the bread of life. And for him are all things. Everything exists for the glory of God and everything and everyone will end at the feet of him who sits on the throne, our Savior King. And that King longs to know us, to be known by us, and to have relationship with us. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all our worship. And for all eternity, we will join with all of creation to lift up the name of Jesus. We will see him face to face and we will know him better and deeper than ever before. And we will have his glory and his splendor and his majesty revealed to us forever and ever and ever. And we will join with all of creation to worship the King of Kings. Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray. And we're going to sing again. Lord, we thank you that you've revealed to us who you are through so many different things. Lord, that you reveal yourself to us through your word, that we can know you as creator. But Lord, that you reveal yourself to us through community with others, that we can see how you've changed other people's lives. That Lord, as we pray to you, as we commune with your Holy Spirit, again, you can reveal afresh who you are. Lord, that as we worship you, as we lift up our voices, as we proclaim that you are good, that we can learn more about your mercy. As we proclaim that you are merciful, we can learn more about your grace. As we thank you for your grace, we can learn more about your splendor and your glory. And that one day we will join with all of creation through all of history and be able to proclaim the name of Jesus, the one at whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, that he is King of kings, Lord of lords. And we will praise his name forever and ever and ever. We worship you, God. We thank you for what you are doing in this place and in our hearts. And we give you all glory and majesty and honor this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.